Hello, and welcome to Insights into Wealth with Bull Wealth. I'm Julian Smith, CEO of Bull Wealth. Today, Randy Gunn, Bull Wealth's client strategist, speaks with Amy Castoro, president and CEO of the Williams Group, and author of Bridging Generations Transitioning Family Wealth and Values for a Sustainable Legacy to explore how different families prepare for the transfer of wealth from one generation to the next. As you can imagine, the transfer of wealth is a very personal and at times challenging conversation between family members, where expectations and timing can range dramatically. Over the years, Amy has helped many families work through this transition due to her honest and compassionate approach, which has yielded many successes and stories that Amy shares in today's podcast. Randy and Amy's conversation is both thoughtful and insightful, and we hope it helps with your future family discussions. As you know, we like to keep it short and simple, so we will leave it to Randy and Amy to further discuss the transfer of wealth from one generation to the next. Amy, thank you for joining me on the call today. You're very welcome, Randy. Thanks for having me. Just jumping into our first question, Amy, when you're working with high net worth families, how do you help parents decide when to talk to their children about their family's wealth? We must get that question four or five times a week. And it sounds something like, how much do I give them and when? And really, that's the wrong question. We would rather have people start talking about who they are becoming, what's important to them about who they are as a family, the public identity or the community identity. So rather know that these conversations about wealth are actually already happening. We call it kitchen table wisdom. It's the next generation is watching their parents very closely on how they make decisions about what they buy or where they go on vacation or how they get to where they're going on vacation. So the conversation has already started. You have an opportunity to start shaping it by inviting really powerful questions of the next generation. Questions like, what do you see is important about being part of a wealthy family? Or if wealth hasn't been discussed at all, what do you see might be a great summer job? so that they start getting this idea of being a contribution to the wealth. That's a great summary. And I think you're right. Often we spend a lot of time talking about the wrong things when we're trying to have conversations with the next generation. I just want to add one quick story here, Randy. We worked with a family where the kids were six, nine, and 11. And in that instance, they took a moment to talk about their values At that age, you would think they wouldn't have much reflection, but actually one sister said to her brother, what I really appreciate about you is that you're really good with math. And whenever we have a problem, you're a great problem solver. And he said to his sister, what I appreciate about you is that you're always a positive force in the family. You're always kind and you're fun to be around. And then the other sister, they said what they loved about her was that she was very social and that she loved music. So now when these kids come off the bus and they're finding it difficult, they've had a tough day or somebody was picking on them, they come home, they look at this whole value sheet and they can have that grounding rod. The mom also said, hey, guys, if you had extra money, what would you do with it? And once they talked about their values, they started to say things like, well, we'd love to see the turtles have a better place to live. 
or we'd love to give the schools more supplies, or we know in the hospital that there are people who don't have enough money to be there. So we'd like to help that in some way. So even at the very young ages of six, nine, and 11, you can start to tap the curiosity and the interests of these kids. I know we've often talked about the importance of resolving conflict in a family before trying to put in place a strong family governance program. Just wondering if you could comment on that a little bit. When there's conflict in a family, it can have a really profound and negative effect on trust. And when trust is jeopardized in a relationship, family members are unwilling to be totally open and honest. In nearly every family, there's a certain level of conflict that happens. The way to deal with that conflict tends to be cyclical and it tends to be generational. So we look at conflict as really what's missing is a set of skills to be able to come up with a solution that will work for both people. We're always striving for alignment understanding another person's perspective doesn't have to equal agreement. But when people feel understood and they trust that they've been heard, very often that can be a way out of conflict. Families who try to lay down a governance plan without first addressing the relationship challenges will end up like putting a Band-Aid on the situation. And that will work for a little while, but it's not really dealing with the underlying discord. So until they've built the skill to really engage conflict in a productive way, that little rub will tend to gain mass over time. Thanks for that, Amy. I I do agree with you that getting and dealing with the elephant in the room, which often is conflict between family members, is really important. The next topic that I wanted to talk about is the situation that I know we've both run into is where you have a member of the first generation that is really looking to kind of maintain control of their wealth from the grave. How do you deal with those situations? That has to do with control. I respect that. They have built this wealth with a deep concern for giving their kids a better life. And that's a research verified claim. I think it was... um, Dr. Bob Kenny out of Boston College for the Center of Wealth and Philanthropy did a study where they looked at why do people create great wealth and it's so they can give their kids a better life. Yet what comes with wealth is a tremendous concern that it's going to derail their motivation. So what tends to happen is the moms or the dads and the wealth creators want to put really strict controls on that. What tends to happen is that backfires. It creates a level of distrust where the next generation is saying, well, if you don't trust me, then how can I ever learn how to manage this? So right there, we're seeing some level of distrust that's creating a level of discord. The underlying concern is a question of readiness. If mom and dad and the kids had the same standard of what ready looked like, then they would have something they could work with. But if mom and dad say ready is you're 65 years old or you're 30 years old, now we're just looking at a number and not necessarily the actions that support ready. I interview a lot of the next generation and I ask them, when do you think you'd be ready? And they say, you know, it's not a number. It's actually, I'm able to manage my lifestyle. I'm able to pay for my mortgage or I'm able to responsibly hold a job for X amount of years. 
it's really an open and honest conversation between mom and dad and the next generation about what ready really looks like. We had one situation where the dad had put his son through graduate school, attended NYU, came back to the family business. From the son's perspective, he was ready to run the business. From the dad's perspective, he wanted him to spend some more time in a construction site. So the son says, you know, dad, you want to put a broom in my hand, yet I could run this whole business with a phone in my hand. And the dad said, you're exactly right. I'm going to put a broom in your hand because that's not what I say is ready. What I say is ready is you've built a rapport with all the people that have made us who we are, that you understand this business from the ground up. So two different perspectives of readiness. They just needed to have a conversation about it. Thanks for sharing that story. I think that really helps put some perspective around that topic. How do you know if a family is well-prepared to pass their wealth on to the next generation? How do you assess, I guess, maybe that readiness between the kids and their parents? When the relationships have a certain kind of ease, when the family is able to engage in challenging conversations pretty readily, they don't have months that go by when somebody's upset about something. They've managed to keep what we call cordial hypocrisy in check. There's a certain way that they know how to work really well together. They have high levels of trust between them. They are able to make decisions quickly. They are clear about their roles and responsibilities. They are able to speak truth to power so they can say no when they need to say no. These are some of the indicators that we see, but it's a really powerful question to ask a family. How do you know when you're ready? Because it's those standards that make the difference. What do you say to parents who worry that telling their children about the family's wealth might ruin their work ethic? We did some research 20 years ago where this question of what they call shirt sleeves to shirt sleeves in three generations was what was being investigated. And Roy Williams, the founder of our firm, went to all the top business schools and he said, guys, what is the breakdown that happens in families? And they said, well, there's a fixed amount of money and this many family members, so inevitably they're going to run out. And Roy said, boy, you know, I just don't see that because I know these kids are cut from the same entrepreneurial kind of environment. So they said, well, ask the psychologist. And he went to the top psychologist and they said, the breakdown is that we just don't know how to talk about money in a family. And so we just kick that can down the road. And actually not talking about the wealth is basically being indifferent to the family relationships. So then Roy decided to ask the audience and he spoke with over 3,000 families. And he said, what is the primary reason that wealth does not transition successfully. Successfully defined as the family unit stays intact and they maintain control of their assets. What he learned was surprising because it had very little to do with the estate plan. As you know, estate plans take care of assets, not relationships. 60% of the failure rate, which was 70%, he said, were trust and communication related concerns. Mom and dad doesn't trust the next generation to handle the wealth well, so they're not talking about it. And the next generation doesn't trust mom and dad are going to transition it well, and they don't know how to bring it up. The second thing they found, which was a 25% reason, was air preparedness. 
That didn't mean that the kids didn't know how to read a portfolio or a balance sheet. It had more to do with who were they? What was their purpose? Why do they get out of bed in the morning? Roy used to say the two most important days in your life was the day you're born and the day you find out why. So what is their reason for wanting to be a contribution to the family wealth? And the last thing he found was 10%. That had to do with values and mission and making sure everybody's on the same page about the use and purpose of the wealth. We had a family where they were all attorneys and the youngest one went and became an attorney, but was never very satisfied, really disappointed in that career. Successful, but really disliked it. So he took a left turn and decided to start exploring art and buying and selling. So he became a very, very successful art dealer. But the reason he could not pursue that earlier was because that value structure was in direct opposition of what it meant to be part of his family. So spent a good, I'd say about 20 years as an attorney, which was adding a lot of stress to his life and and tension in the relationship. So getting everybody on the same page for values is also important. We say that there's a 70% failure rate because there's a ton of research out there that shows that roughly 30% of family businesses will transition from one generation to the next, and then about 10% to the third. So while there's lots of reasons why wealth does not transition successfully, even if that number is 50% for family wealth, it still comes down to trust and communication, air preparedness, and alignment of values. The last question I wanted to touch on relates to the age at which people are coming into wealth these days, and it seems to be getting younger and younger. What impact does that have on the work done by your team? The fact that a lot of these entrepreneurs are much younger than maybe their parents would have been, and they're having substantial wealth. Does that create new issues for your team and helping these families? It creates new opportunities. What I hear most often from the next generation is that they want as long of a runway as possible with their mom and their dad who have created the wealth so that they could learn how to make mistakes on their own, how to be successful, how to make decisions, how to figure out who they can trust. So with younger people coming into wealth sooner, it's actually giving them more time to get really skillful at figuring out what's important to them. One challenge is that the family, the wealth creator may delay the conversation, even though they are younger, they may still delay the conversation with the next generation about getting prepared for wealth. So the kids are living an affluent lifestyle for a longer period of time, but still really confused about whether or not they're wealthy. There's a more of a drive for families to be speaking about what it means to be wealthy and how to do that from a place of grounded conversation in the family. The more time they have with that, the more successful families will be. Well, I can understand that because I think as a parent, you always want your kids to have more than you did. For sure, I struggle to kind of balance making sure my kids appreciate what the opportunities they have presented to them. Amy, we've covered a lot of topics during our conversation. And I was just wondering if there's a few key messages you'd like to leave our audience with before we wrap up our conversation today. I think to reiterate what we were just talking about, really start the conversation early. Questions like, 
what does it look like for you to be a contribution in what we're creating? What does it mean to you to be responsible with wealth? If you could somehow improve the world in any way, what would that look like for you in terms of a career? So starting that conversation sooner than later is probably the biggest piece. The second one is that this place where conflict is expensive and tends to be generational, what's missing there is a skill set. So learning how to have more open and honest conversations, investing in a family's ability to build, manage, repair, trust is essential to a successful wealth transition. We saw that it represented about 60% of the reasons why families break down. The other third one that I'd say is really important, but you can't really get to it until you've dealt with the trust and communication issue, is aligning the family values. Getting everybody on the same page about how they are designing their lives in alignment with the use and purpose of the wealth. Just a really quick last minute story. We worked with a family where there was a 23-year-old son. We were having a family meeting. He was nowhere to be found for the first day. And we said, what happened? And he said, you know, I'm just tired. Every time I come to the family meeting and I express my ideas, they get shot down. I'm always going to be the youngest and no one's going to take me seriously. So what was missing was a direct conversation about how he wanted to be listened to. He wanted more questions about his ideas instead of people just shooting them down. By the end of that family meeting, he had established an opportunity to be mentored by his sister's husband, who was going to take him into the construction industry. Fast forward about three years. Today, he's doing some really powerful real estate deals with his dad. So really getting underneath that place of the relationship rub and building the skill to have that be successful will help you align the values. We always say you can be right or you can be in a relationship. So we suggest figuring out what it takes to be in the relationship first. That is a great wisdom to leave everyone with. I want to thank you so much for your time today and wish everyone a great day. Thanks so much. Thanks, Randy. It's great to be here with you. Thanks again to our guest, Amy Castoro. Insights into Wealth is a Vocal Fry Studios production. Our producer is Sabrina Brathwaite. I'm your host, Julian Smith. If you want to reach out to me, please email me directly, or you may find me on LinkedIn. Bullwealth is the corporate group name of Bull Capital Management, Inc. and Bullwealth Management Group, Inc. Bull Capital Management, Inc. is registered as a portfolio manager and exempt market dealer in the provinces of Ontario, British Columbia, Alberta, and Quebec, and also as an investment fund manager in the province of Ontario. The information contained in this podcast is not intended to solicit or to provide research or investment advice to the listeners by Bullwealth or any of its affiliates. Also, the receipt of the podcast by its listeners is not to be taken as constituting solicitation or giving of research or investment advice by Bullwealth or any of its affiliates. This podcast should not be copied, distributed, published, or reproduced in whole or in part.